I'm just glad to be here this morning with y'all, and I'm going to just be fed a little bit today. And uh, I'm just really blessed. I was thinking about this this morning. I'm so blessed that we have, uh, you know, Tavon and I were talking about, you know, the rough times that we had and and, uh, and how God just carried us through and how, who, who's to say, would you say you'd rather never have had to bounce off the bottom? Uh, or and just had a smooth life and maybe end up going to church but never end up in relationship with the Lord and then you'd be one of the ones he says on that day, I, I never knew you, you know? Because when we got it, we got the real thing. You know, we thought we were Christians for most of our lives and we weren't. And uh, that was scary when we came to find out that we really still needed to be saved, yeah. you know? So... I think that, you know, Satan, he couldn't beat the church, and he never will. We know the ending, but what he's done, he's joined the church. And so in these last days, the real body of Christ is going to be strengthened. I believe revival is coming, and uh, it's going to be, you know, just sort of like Moses and those uh, and those uh, those witches or whatever he came up against. You throw down your staff, and I'll throw down mine. Because the real bride of Christ is going to be adorned with all the gifts of the Spirit, walking in power and love and victory. And you know, we uh, there's a there's a false false a lot of false teachings out there. People are are being deceived by these false teachers, and we really they need our help. I know it looks like we're just a few here, but there's there's a lot of us around the, this world, you know, that really love God and know the truth. And, uh, you know, we, we believe in, in all the, the right things. You know, we believe that this Bible, first of all, is the Word of God. You know, breathed by God. You've got 66 books of the Bible. He, he breathed this into the hearts and minds of around 40 writers. And they, and they all wrote it down as He gave it to them. And they don't disagree. You know, they don't contradict one another. Even though they lived in different places and wrote it over a period of about 1,600 years, this is, book is alive and it's written by God. It's, and once you start messing with this and leaving things out at your convenience, you're going to be off track. And that's what a big part of the world is doing. So when I know that there are brothers like my brother Charlie here, so we believe the same things. You know, that we believe that, that man fell in the garden. And, uh, and ever since then, every one born of man has been corrupt, had a corrupt nature. And, and there was nothing we could do. They fell in purity and they fell in their conscience. And, uh, and we were stuck without a Savior. And God has made a way through Jesus Christ for us to come back to Him. We believe in, in being baptized into Christ. We believe in water baptism. We believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We believe that not only is the forgiveness of our sins provided through salvation, but also the healing for our bodies, overall total wellness, physically, mentally, prosperity is ours, just like forgiveness of sin. So is healing. Amen. We know Jesus is coming back for us one day. I don't care if somebody believes it's pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib. As long as they agree that He's coming back for us one day, we hey, we got common ground right there. Amen. So you never have to worry about somebody coming here to preach that that uh, doesn't believe in a real hell and doesn't and is afraid to preach on sin. I know. I don't. I don't uh, mess around with people like that. I know Charlie. I love him so much. He's my brother, and we agree 
we love the Lord. And so anybody comes here to minister to you, they're going to want nothing from us except for us to agree to meet them in heaven. Amen? Because that's what they're after. Praise God. Well, ha- having said that, I'm pleased to, to bring up my brother Charlie Martinez today to bless us with the word. Amen. Oh, this is awesome. Praise God. I'm going to make sure my little recorder studio is on too. Works great. Amen. All right, okay. Well, praise God. That was good. That was very good. Will, I didn't know you could play like that and sing, man. Man, I was getting ready to cut a snap there. Boy, just turn it loose. You know, I had, uh, I think this is the first time I ever preached in some white shoes like this. And, and I got up this morning and put them on. I feel like wearing white today, putting on white shoes. Michelle looked at me and says, you're going to wear white shoes? <laughs> I said, yeah. Don't do it after Labor Yeah. That's funny. And I said, well, I feel like wearing some white shoes today, you know. So praise God, feeling colorful. I want to start off with a little story. I, uh. I thought this was cute. There was a man at his uh, local parish, and uh, he lost his hat. And um, he saw his local priest uh, down the street, and he says, that's my hat there. He really believed that the priest uh, uh, stole his hat, got his hat, and wouldn't return it. So he quit going to church there. So his local priest went, uh, noticed he was gone and went to go visit him. And uh, he didn't know how to, you know, break it, break it while he wasn't going back. But the priest says, this Sunday I'm going to be preaching on the Ten Commandments. And it dawned on him, you know what? Somewhere I know it says, thou shalt not steal. I'm going to go to the front. Yeah, I'm going to sit in the front and I'm going to show him up. And uh, so he went up there and he preached. And talked about all the Ten Commandments. And after he got through, he went up to him. Sir... When you preached on the Eighth Commandment, thou shalt not steal. To be honest, that's why I didn't come back to church for a while, because I believe you stole my hat. But when you preached on the Seventh Commandment, thou shalt not commit adultery, I remember where I left my hat. So I settled it. And you know, and then I was reading another story the other day. Um, matter of fact, Michelle was sharing the story with me. Uh, he went to a, uh, his people went to a church, and they had just had a storm, and the steeple was crooked. And uh, people had a great concern, you know, what that thing fell on somebody, whatever. And uh, they were kind of upset, you know, didn't really want to go into the church because the, uh, the steeple was kind of crooked. The people were visiting, and articles were wrote, written about it. It was finally fixed, you know, out of safety and concerns and so forth. But that's the way it is many times. When we go into churches, we expect churches to be perfect. We expect everything to be just right. We expect the music to be just right. We expect everyone to sing and play like Will. I mean, we expect everything to be perfect. (laughs) In this world, everything's not going to be perfect. And usually things don't turn out the way we plan. You know, we can have a plan. I've had plans, and it turned out kind of close to it, but then it turned out just the way I wanted it to turn out, but it turned out. And then when I go back and I look at it, praise God, God did exactly the way He wanted it done. 
And then it even worked out better because God... And sometimes our lives are crooked. Things are not right. And I mean, uh, there's more churches that need to say church, the, the crooked church. The church of second chances. The church of totally new beginning for crooked people. Because all of us have had crooked areas in our life that God had to straighten up. That God really had to straighten up. And that goes with my message this morning. You are a work in progress. Boy, it took me a while to understand that. You are a work in progress. That's amazing. Because when that came to my mind, I said, Lord, I know. And it took me a while to understand that. Because... We always want things our way. We want the things to work out our way. And sometimes there are delays. There are distractions. Right now, in our life, we're going on through what I feel it's a delay. A distraction. Confrontation of, of, of wrong thinking. False allegations. On and on and on. These things come at us to distract us. See, but I've had to learn over the years, things are in God's perfect timing and hands. And He's going to work it out the way He wants to work it out. And if we cooperate and be still and see what God is doing, it's going to work out better. It's going to, I've seen it over. When we try to push it to make it happen, and while I'm saying this, turn with me to the book of Psalms. Psalms 139. When we try to work it out in our own timing and in our own way, and get out of the will of God. Start manipulating the situation. You know what? It leads to frustration. It leads to chaos. And that's when you start making decisions that are not in the will of God. You can even make decisions financially and get into debt. Make a mess. I know people when you know things wouldn't happen, you know, as fast as they wanted to happen, they started a business and started this, and it was out of totally out of the will of God, they got into a mess. It even led to physical problems. So this is why we have to be extremely careful. Lord, what are you doing in our lives at the time? What are you saying to us? What are you doing with us, Lord? This is why Michelle and I, we constantly get on our knees. And that's one of our prayers. Lord, don't let us get involved with anything that is not of you. Don't get, let us get involved with anybody that is not of you, Lord God. That is not from you. That is going to cause us harm. Because nowadays, you can't even tell your enemies from your friends. That's just the world we live in. Man. That's right. And, 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 and they're not your friends. And so this is why we have to be very, very discerning when we see, you know, this type of behavior nowadays in people. Hey, you know what? I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to go. Those are boundaries I'm not going to cross. Those are boundaries. Like One time we had a neighbor. And thank God they moved now. But uh, she came to me. And she had a BMW, and at that time I didn't have a BMW, and I always wanted a BMW, man. And I said, man, this is a nice BMW. And she said, hey, I'm upside down on this vehicle. And she said, I'm, you know, we're willing to let it go, uh, you know. And I thought maybe she wanted to sell it at a pretty good price. She asked me if I would take it to Mexico nearby and have it stolen. Yeah. And she would give me a couple of thousand dollars so the insurance would pay it off. I said, you know what? There are cameras all over the place. That I said, you don't, I said, I don't do things like that. I said, you're asking for trouble. 
I said, if I ever get into any kind of trouble, it's going to be hearsay. It's going to be something that somebody made up. But I don't do things like that. I, I, I don't go into things like that. I said, you're asking, well, I got into debt. And I, 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 yeah, when you overload yourself, when you try to drive something you know you can't afford just to impress people. And you hear me say this, you know, people spend money they don't have. To impress people they don't like. And all of a sudden they're in bondage. And they're in a mess. Trying to look good. And on and on and on. Because they're in this competitive mode with other people. Man, I'm not in competition with anybody. I'm going to tell you that right now. I, 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 tell you, I play baseball. I already know there's better ball players than me. I love to minister and preach. There's better preachers than I am. I am who I am. I'm comfortable with who I am. I thank God for who I am. I'm secure in who I am. As long as I'm trying to be the best I can at who I am. Amen. And pleasing God. I don't have to be in a competitive spirit with anybody else. Because when you get into competition, this is what happens. Look, God is at work in us. Amen. He's at work in us. This is why he put in my spirit. You are a work in progress. I'm a work in progress. If you see some areas in my life that need improvement, it's true. It's true. Amen. I'm a work in progress. Amen. I'm qualified to be a work in progress. The Bible tells us, Philippians 1.6, He who began a good work in us will perfect it in the day of Christ Jesus. I'm working on to that perfection. Not in this life. The perfection will come when we are completed, when we go to heaven. That's when we're perfected. But we're, work, we're always working to improve things. I, I want to work to be a better minister. I want to be a work to be a better evangelist. I want to work to be a better person, a better father, a, a better uh, uh, a husband, a better fisherman. You know, my wife outdid me yesterday, man. You know, at the very end. And and uh, and, I, and this is another little story before I read Psalms 139. Uh, one time we were fishing. You ever may want to go fishing? And you didn't want to be bothered. You didn't want to just be messed with. You just wanted to fish and relax. You know, I said, I said, man, Michelle's going to be asking me a question. Michelle's going to be bothered. I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm going to take her to Walmart. So I said, let's go to Walmart, baby. And so I'm going to get you a fishing pole. So I went and got her a little Mickey Mouse, a little Mickey Mouse Cinderella fishing pole, you know, little video things like that. I said, I'm going to buy you one so you can stand over there. I'm going to show you how to bait, bait your own girl. You stand over there. I'm going to be over here fishing. And I lived on within, within... This is this we were in Rockport within five minutes, five to ten. She had three huge trout. I said, "What in the world, man? Here I am. It's a, supposed to be a real experienced fisherman. I had the big old spinning reel and warm lures and everything. And she had just a little bitty old tap pole looking fishing pole. And she was bringing this with trout. I said, "Oh man, this ain't right." I said, "God is punishing me right here, man." <laughs> God is showing me up. And she was bringing me some nice speckled trout. So I said, you know what? I need to go talk to my wife and just kind of be <laughs> And that really happened. And then yesterday, you know, when nobody was hardly catching anything, just a few other gap top, at the very end, boom, that thing took that thing, boy. And I said, it was God at work again. It was God. And I believe God does little things and a lot of little things that happen to us to show us. To show us, you know what? I can bless you at any given time. You just get ready. This is what the Bible said. What's that scripture? Psalm 8110. Open your mouth wide and not fill it. Be prepared. Open your mouth wide. Just be ready for the blessings. Amen. 
open up and just say, God, I'm ready for you to bless me. I'm watching over you, Father, to bless me. God knows how to bless us if we're open to it. Amen? When we're open to it. Okay, look at this. Psalm uh, 139. Look at verse 13. I want to read down for just a few verses. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. That's amazing. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. Remember your soul, the seat of your emotions. All of my emotions know that I am marvelously the work of God. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest part of the earth. I want to tell you, your body frame was created for your calling. Whatever you've been, you know, I used to want, I want to stop right there. I used to want, man, I wanted to be a professional baseball player and all that. My body frame is not built to be a professional ball player. I wish it would have, but that wasn't my calling in life. God has built you for what your calling is in life. Amen? You skillfully wrought in the lowest part of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book they were all written. The days fashioned for me when as yet there was none of them. Before you were even born, God has a book what's supposed to take place in the events in your life. I've seen it. I've seen it. I remember. I was 40 years old when I was writing one of my books. And in there, the Holy Spirit spoke to me clearly and I wrote it down. As a matter of fact, I've got to go back and find out which, uh, what, what book that was. But he wrote it, it says, you have 50 years of ministry left. He showed me my time level, my time skill. He said, you have 50 minutes. And that was when I was 40. I'm 57 now. He says, you have 40. And so that means when I'm about 90, 91 years old, I'll be slowing down. Okay? I'll be slowing down. 30 years left to fish. 30 years left to fish, brother. For men and for fish. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. You see, and, and God showed me that. So that means I have to be busy. Because that's not a whole long time. Uh, and you know... I look how fast the time goes. By the time we go out to Arizona and visit my son and my daughter and my grandkids, by the time we, we, we get other countries to go to, by the time I go to Colorado and, and, and we're building our studio for our television program, hallelujah, man, everything is falling to place. I don't have a whole lot of time to waste. I only have, have time to enjoy this life with my family and doing the will of God. And in that process, our goal is always to win souls and to disciple people. I would just share with Michelle the other day, listen to this. You know what, Michelle? God has put us in both ends of the world. Here we are at Lakewood, and we participate in the events at Lakewood. We give to Lakewood, and we're trying to reach people on the streets in the community. And when we give to that church and bless that church, man, we're helping that church reach more people. Then we're on the other end of the United States, up there in, in Colorado, and we're with Andrew Walmack's ministry, and we're helping the students there, and even some who have a hard time paying their tuition. I said, it, you know, it just dawned on me, we can be a blessing in both places. And some of the young families that were blessing and helping and encouraging, you know, you know, to, to, to 
uh, walk the races, is you, you gave up your job to come to Bible school, and you're doing uh, God's will here. God's going to honor you for it. God's going to bless you for it. What a blessing. I said, you know, I said, Michelle, what a blessing to be involved with two worldwide ministries. It's a blessing. And then in between, I'm at a place like this. Truth and grace. Amen. Truth and grace. To bless people. To leave a deposit. To leave you something that will cause increase in your life. What a blessing. What a blessing. This is why the Bible says, look. Your eyes, verse 16, saw my substance. Being yet unformed again. Look at that. And in your book they were all written. The days fashioned for me. When as yet there was none of them. Wow. How precious also are your thoughts toward me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. I want to let you know that God has great plans for you. God has great thoughts toward you. God has some great events toward you. Few years ago, we had no idea that we would be moving our ministry to Colorado. We had no idea, and God, uh, we went. In, it was a 2017 hunt. We went to a family Bible conference, and we went in our RV. There was not even no room there. We had to go to the national forest to go. Uh, stay. All the RV parks were filled. There was nowhere. Thank God we were self-contained. So we were in the park about, you know, I guess eight miles, ten miles in a national forest, Pikes Peak National Forest, and we stayed there. And we would drive back into the conference every day. And I said, what a beautiful area, the Woodland Park area. And then when we left there, we drove to uh, uh, Lake Tahoe area. And matter of fact, it's where we brought this shirt that I'm just looking at, in the Lake Tahoe area. And, and uh, sure enough, when we were camping, a lady spoke a word. And we started talking about some of our vision and dreams. He said, I always wanted to buy a ranch somewhere, you know, somewhere different or something. And he said, but we're just not quite sure. And she said, didn't you say you just left Woodland Park area? She says, that's where you ought to buy some property. That's a beautiful area. Boom, the light bulb turned on. We drove all the way back. From California, Lake Tahoe, we drove all the way back. Met a realtor and we had some property within a matter of months. It was God. And the people almost came down half price. It was God at work. And our home is already built. Now we got to go there and finish the interior. I said, what amazing. And then you know what the greatest thing about it? We didn't have to get a loan. It's debt free. Because see, when you, I've learned, when you bless others, God blesses you. When you bless others, when you leave the deposit that God tells you to leave, it, God's going to deposit back in your account. Because we are fearfully and wonderfully made. This is why Michelle and I, we always pray, Lord, show us what to do. Show us to the right place. Show us the right deposit. Show us where we ought to be. Show us your way. Look at verse 19. If I should count them, if I should count the blessings, if I should count how your thoughts are so precious toward me, Lord, how your love is so great toward me. You know, so many people are so negative. So negative, they always think God is trying to punish them. They always think God is trying to beat them over the head. Oh, another bad thing happened to me. Oh, another song of misery again. Oh, another mess again. Oh, another, you know, happening that's a setback again. I'm reminded of the guy, the pastor, went to visit one of his parishioners. 
And when he went to him, he saw him in the rocking chair just crying and just crying. And the pastor said, why are you crying? He said, well, my sister died last week. And she left me $100,000. And the pastor said, you mean she left you $100,000 and you're sitting here crying? So you ought to be thanking God and spending the money in her memory. And thank the Lord. So he prayed with her. Took off. About a week, two weeks later, he came back to visit him again. He was still on the porch crying, man. Just, just rocking, crying. He said, and Pastor said, what's wrong this time? Why are you crying? He said, well, I had a cousin that died this past week. And he left me $20,000. I said, wait a minute. You mean a cousin left you $20,000 and you're sitting here on the porch still crying? I said, man, you ought to be spending money in, that, in his memory and enjoying your life. He took off, prayed for him. Then he came back about two or three weeks later. He was still on the porch crying. And the pastor said, what's wrong now? He said, nobody died this week. <laughs> no matter if people are alive or people are dead or if you have money, people don't know how to live and rejoice in what they do have. Be happy. I might not have everything I have. I, I, I want, but you know what? When we look at it, you do have everything you need to rejoice and be happy. Listen to this. God says, my thoughts toward you, you can't even count them. My blessings toward you, you can't even number them. Don't even try. They're like the sands of the shore. And it's so true. I've learned. See, I used to think at one time, after I had one big blessing, that was it. You know, God can't do anymore. I mean, I mean, I, it, 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 it's, it's, you know, that's it, man. I mean, what else could you want? I've learned that God wants to continuously bless you. He wants to continue to love you. He wants to continuously heal you. He wants to continue to pour out His love on you. He wants to continue to do these things because of His great love that we, can, that we here as humans try to understand. Yeah. See, we have a very limited love of grace, of truth, and of love. Yeah. Limited, limited, limited. Anytime you get in the flesh and get mad and angry, you, you know, you're not understanding about the love of God. It took me years to understand that. And you know, you know how God, this is why God gives us a partner. This is why God gives us a mate. Because we have somewhere to practice every day. <laughs> we have someone to practice on every day. I'm serious. It's a mirror. This is why God always tells me, I always spend a lot of time just touching Michelle. Just touching her shoulder, touching her arm, touching her hand. Now I'm not talking, I'm talking just a non-sexual touch. Just, just being here. A mid times. Just touch it. Just let it, it. It's a way. It's God telling us you need to practice what I have put before you. See, when you practice that, then it's so. It's like spiritual muscle memory. You can show love to others because that's what you're practicing at home. That's what you're practicing at home. You're able to show love to others. Amen. But if you're mad at home and treat your spouse wrong, on and on and on, you're going to have a, well, you're already in that spirit, angry. And then you're going to do the same thing out there. This is why it's so important to be mockers of God. Not mockers of God, but mock at God, but mocking what He does to us. Man, God showed me this. I'm going to mimic that. I'm going to display that. I'm going to show that. Now, look in Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians, you 
are a work in progress. Amen? You are a work in progress. Ephesians chapter 2. And I'm going to hurry along this. I'm going to hurry along this because uh, I I don't want to get stuck. But this is so rich and this is so good that this will stay implanted in your spirit. Ephesians chapter 2. Look at verse uh, 10. For we are created... For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Boy, that's powerful. We are his workmanship. Have you ever seen somebody make a table? Have you ever seen somebody make a chair? Uh, One time I was in the island of Murano in, in Italy. And I went to the place where they make glass and I saw how they, how they did it with sand and heat and so forth. It was marvelous. Yeah. So how do they do that? I mean, it was a work in progress. And that's what God is doing with us. He's creating a good work with us and in us. See, God's not through with us. I uh, read a story of a young boy. He was born November 29, 1969 in Puerto Camito, a small town north of Panama City. He grew up and the path of his father, he was just a local fisherman. But the problem with that, it was a very dangerous job, long hours, and it paid very little. And at the age of 12, his father gave him a baseball glove, which he carried with him all over the place. And at that time, he liked to play soccer and baseball. But through an injury, his soccer days were over. Now, he was a tall, lanky, skinny kid, six foot two, and uh, only 160 pounds. And he played for the uh, uh, Panama team and did pretty well, but he didn't throw hard enough to really get into the major leagues. However, in 1995, they gave him an opportunity to pitch, uh, and, and, and they drafted him. And because uh, he, they saw potential. And so in 1995, he made his debut and, and he pitched, didn't do very well. So they sent him back down to the minors. <clears throat> and at that time, he had known about the things of the Lord and he accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. Within two weeks time, the scouts saw he added 10 miles per hour on his fastball. They asked him, what did you do to add this velocity? He says, I accepted Jesus. And I'm living for the Lord. He says, now I feel, I just know it's a gift of God. And the scouts were amazed. So on July 4th, 1995, they sent him back to the majors. And he pitched against the Chicago White Sox with 11 strikeouts. It was amazing. Now listen to this. After that, he went on to win five World Series rings with the New York Yankees. In 1999, he was crowned as the most valuable player His name is Mariano Rivera. Amazing story. He said he can go back and look at his turnaround 
when he accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior. Wow, that gives me goosebumps. That gives me oh, chicken skin all over the place. Hallelujah. The difference that God makes. The Lord increased his ability. And I believe that's the way it is with us. All of us, all of us have that potential, have that ability, have that anointing, have that power. We just need to get to the next level. We just got to submit to the Lord and let God do the supernatural. I'm in a position right now. Michelle and I are waiting for the supernatural. And we know God's going to do it. We've seen it already. We've seen it. We've seen God destroy the enemy. We're waiting for that first national telecast. We're believing that. We're believing that. And, and we're confessing that. Because we know that God is able to... You listen, you are a work in progress. Tell somebody you're a work in progress. You're a work in progress, Well, Hallelujah. You're a work in progress. God's not through with us. Don't ever think just because it happened like this or something bad happened. And this is the problem we get in right now. This is the problem we get in. Something will happen. We'll get a setback. Something we didn't plan on. It's always going to be like this. Man, we're never going to get out of debt, man. Man, I'm never going to get the job I wanted, man. I'm never going to pay this house off, man. We'll never get that loan, man. On and on, the negative thoughts will just flood us. It's it's not always going to be like that. If you're in faith. It's not always going to stay like that. Things will change. Things will change. I remember when I started the Christian walk at the age of 17. And if anybody remembers more, uh, is my mama sitting right there. She remembers me preaching my first sermon. That was in 1979, December. Almost, it was almost, almost 1980 already. That's why in, in uh, 2020 uh, will be 40 years of ministry. Reaching thousands. It's amazing. But when I started off, Mama can tell you, we weren't around a whole lot of preachers that were role models. They weren't role models. We never saw. We, we didn't come from a family of preachers. The, uh, my mama can go back and tell you there was a lot of strife. We ha- I had great parents who loved us, taught us right from wrong. I remember one time I stole something from the store. And when I got out of the store, my mom said, where'd you get that? You know, you know. <laughs> She marched me back into the store, made me talk to the manager, shook me like that, and made me put it back, say I'm sorry. You know, when I see these parents hide behind their kids' faults and not correct them, you're on the path of destruction. And I wouldn't fail to do that if I had children now or my grandchildren. I will march you back over there, and you're going to apologize. You're going to put it back. And plus, you're going to pay something for it. For even taking it, although you're not taking it out. Come on. I remember mama doing that. That's right. That's right. So, what I'm saying is, I didn't have good role models. Man, I remember to the uh, the Baptist church where I preached my first sermon, the pastor had so much hostility toward his wife, he would criticize her publicly. I said, oh man, this is horrible, man. And called her names and just, and in the church... And I said, man, this, this man, he makes people feel uncomfortable. Those are the kind of people I was around. And I was around a lot of Pentecostal people, man. Wow. Me playing baseball, me playing sports, that was of the devil. And they would tell me, man, you need to get out of all that worldliness. 
But that's what they believe. And they wanted me to dress like them and all the women had no makeup? My God. <laughs> and they had this ponytail. <laughs> Long skirts, man. And they were mean. <laughs> bondage, yeah, Pentecostal bondage one. And they were mean. That's why. That's why they were mean because they were so. They were, when they saw themselves on a the mirror, man, I'd be mad. <laughs> These are the kind of people I grew up with. My mama can tell you. She's sitting right here today. I mean, I, I grew up with this bad influence, and then I would see all the Baptist preachers where I was in Baptist seminary and so forth. Man, it was all performance based. You had to perform. And then when I went to college, I saw all these young men, they could sing. They could tap dance. They could play musical instruments. They were articulate. And I would listen to them, man. By the time I got through listening to them, I wanted to hide in the corner. There was no way I could compete with these guys. There was no way. They were just, just it was totally performance. I remember one day in seminary class, we were preaching. And, they, and it was in college, really, and the, uh, we had to present a sermon. And I had heard these guys' sermons already, and I said, man, this, I'm going to go embarrass myself, man. I, ju- I just, I said, there's no way I could, you know, these guys, you know, well-dressed, you know, articulate. They were preacher's kids. They were seminary kids, you know. And their, their parents had, grandfathers had pioneer churches and all that. And, and here I was, you know, uh, uh, I was the only brown-skinned dude in my, in, in my class, man. I said, oh, man. And I remember I got up there one time and I had to preach and I got up 1 Samuel chapter 10 verse 6 and I never forget that. And it was my turn. I said, oh God. And I had fear. I said, man, I had fear. And I started, I just read 1 Samuel chapter 10 verse 6. The spirit of the Lord will come upon you and you will be changed into a different man. And I said, God, I don't know how to do this. God, I'm going to bury myself, Lord. I don't have these guys' ability, Lord, but I need you, Lord. And I got up there and I started preaching and the power of God fell. The ministers there started saying, Amen, praise God, worshiping God. After the service, they came up to me and says, We are electing you to be the campus preacher in the whole crusade and the revival in Phoenix. At that college, they said, We want you to be the campus preacher. And I said, thank you, Lord. I didn't have this ability. I didn't have this anointing, Lord. But all I have is your power. I might not be able to sing like them. I might not play an instrument. But I got your power, Lord. And that anointing and that power has stayed with me. Year after year. Day after day. And God says, you're getting ready now to go on television. To share all these experiences. It's not by might. It's not my power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. It's coming. All we got to do is depend upon the Lord. All we got to do is trust in the Lord. When we are a work in progress, where, where you can't do it, God makes up the rest. Where you don't have the ability, you don't have the anointing. Sometimes those situations I've learned work best. I can't do it, Lord, but here I am. I didn't have the money to pay for a private college back then. I didn't have the money. I didn't have, but somehow God had me to get academic scholarships. 
One lady said, you look Indian, you're going to get an Indian scholarship. I went, oh, 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 thank you, Lord. It was God. It was God. I'll never forget that. Mama remembers that letter. When I wrote that letter, I said, Mama, this lady gave me a scholarship because she said, I look Indian. How much Indian blood do I have on me? She said, son, you're all Indian. <laughs> Hallelujah. And it paid my school. She gave, they even sent me some shoes and sent me some clothes. I said, I'll do a war dance, whatever it takes. Get my school back. <laughs> it was God at work. We are a work in progress. And God is still working on it. Don't criticize me because I don't have your ability. Don't criticize me if I'm not your color. Don't criticize if I don't have your financial status. Don't criticize me if I don't have, you know, the things you have. But I'm a work in progress. Hallelujah. And I've always kept that mentality. God, what I can't do, you make up for, Lord. You make up for, Lord, because I trust in you, Lord. Don't get on this performance-based that you have to compete with other people. The only thing you are competing is with yourself. Lord, let me be the best I can for you. Let me be the best I can for you, Lord God. Whatever I have, it may not be up to par with other people. That doesn't matter. As long as I'm obeying you. This is why I always say, don't be so hard on yourself. Don't be so hard on yourself. Don't let one decision, one mistake define your destiny. Don't let what other people say about you, your critics, the naysayers, define your destiny. What people try to accuse you of and belittle you for, don't let it define your destiny. Even though you made a mistake, that's what you did, but not who you are. Amen? It may be what you did, but not who you are. And say, Lord, I'm going to be a better person. David was a work in progress. I'm amazed when I really study it. Think about it. They put David out in the field with the sheep, man. His brothers were so-called in the king's army in the front lines. But David, he ain't gonna mount to nothing. Get your little stuff out there with the sheep. Get out there. You know how we know that? When Samuel came to anoint one of Jesse's sons, Jesse never called David. He called his other sons, who was supposed to be broad-shouldered, big, tall, muscular guys and handsome guys. Samuel said, something wrong here. God told me to come to this house, but it ain't none of these guys. And Samuel said, verse Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, God does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Do you have another son? Jesse looked around at his son. What's wrong with these guys? Do you have another son? Yeah, but he's out there. Go get him. Quit talking. Samuel was a no-nonsense guy. He was a no-nonsense guy. We find that with Agag and Saul. Hey, go get him. Can't help us. He said, this is the Lord's anointing. This is the Lord's anointing. And God, and Samuel got the horn with oil. Fill thy horn. And he poured it on him. And anointed him. Did David immediately become king? No. Just because you're anointed doesn't mean you're appointed. 
So many people, they get touched by God, they get an anointing in their life, and they think they got all the answers. No, God is just saying, you're a work in progress. You're not ready yet. I have been on television many different times in the United States and foreign countries, but God told me years ago, you're not ready yet. That's why I haven't given you nothing. You're not ready yet. You're a work in progress. Amen. And that's really because He loves us. Because He loves us. He doesn't want us to damage ourselves. He's protecting us. So that's why when something doesn't happen right away, I don't sweat it no more. I say, God, I don't need it. It's not about us. It's not about us. It's about God protecting us. God watching over us. Let me close out with this. Listen. David was a work in progress. He had to go through a lot of mess. Man. They didn't want to put David in prison. They didn't want to take all of his family's goods. They didn't want to bring lawsuits against David. They wanted to kill him. To remove his name from the face of the earth. He was surrounded by so many enemies. And even enemies in his own circle. It got to the point he couldn't tell who his friends were. Or who his enemies were. And that was even tested with Jonathan. And and, and David saw the goodness of God in Jonathan. The goodness of God. Wow. But it took David many, many years before he became king. And right before he even became king, they stole his children, stole his wives, they stole everything he had in Ziklag. But I'm going to tell you, when the pressure picks up, when things get hard, it's because God is getting ready to do something. When the accusations get big, when the ugliness intensifies, get ready, your miracle is on the way. Amen? Joseph was a work in progress. No one ever imagined he would be betrayed, belittled, beaten, forgotten, in prison. But I've learned when the wrong thing is happening, keep on doing the right thing. When the wrong thing is happening, keep on doing the right thing. Joseph did all the right things and the wrong things were still... Sometimes we go through a season like that. Man, I've been there, man. We've been doing all the right things and the wrong things are happening. What's going on, man? Wow! You ever been there? I hope I'm not the only one there, man. I said, man, I'm doing all the right things. All the wrong things are happening, man. Wow. God, help me. Remember, God is doing a work in our life, and He's not through. The scripture, we're made for good works. We're not justified by works. We're not saved by works. We're just made for good works. We're made to be a blessing. This past week, Michelle was with me when one of our pastors called from Honduras. Says, "When you coming, man?" He said, "I just got through coming from the school, and I just like wanted to cry." Because see, when we go into foreign missions, and even here when we're ministering, we have the fivefold ministry. The fivefold ministry: we go to the churches, we go to the schools, amen. Then we go to the streets. We go to the prisons and we go to the hospitals. That's our fivefold ministry. So many people, man, they get mixed up on I'm a prophet, I, I, I'm an evangelist, I, I'm a pastor, I'm a bishop, I'm this. Come on, man. How many people are you winning to Jesus and how many people are you discipling? 
People get mixed up on titles. God don't get mixed up on titles. Those things are only to equip us. They are there to empower us, to equip us, to do the fivefold ministry that I just mentioned. To go out to the streets. To go to the churches. Amen. To go to the prisons. To go to the hospitals. To go to the schools. I believe Jesus. That's where Jesus would go today. If he walked this earth, this is where he would be at. In these places that the people are hurting. Listen. To get your blessings activated. If you look in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 13. Just make a note of that. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 13. Therefore I believed and therefore I spoke it. What God tells you to believe, start speaking it. You'll find that scripture also in Psalm 116 verse 10. He was reflecting from the Old Testament. He says, I believe and therefore I speak it. Start speaking. My miracle is on the way. My blessing is on the way. My business is on the way. My healing is on the way. Hallelujah. My healing is on the way. My finances are on the way. The scripture you read this morning, man, said that, that's Psalm 138, uh, uh, verse 8. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Psalm 84, verse 11. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. So I'll cause you to ride on the high places of the earth. Glory to God. Glory to God. No good thing will he withhold from us. Isn't that a blessing? Let's close it. Tell somebody again. You're a work in progress, man. I know. I know some of you are more work than others, but, but you're a work in progress. <laughs> and that's where we are. Amen. I'm excited. I'm, ex- I'm not what I need to be. Now I'm tired what I should be. And if you ever criticize me, I'm just going to come back and say, I'm a work in progress. God's working on me. You remember that little song we used to sing in Sunday school? I remember, he's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. It took him just a week to make the moon and stars, sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars. How precious and wonderful he must be. He's still working on me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful morning. Surely, Lord, we're a work in progress. We thank you for that. I thank you, dear God. Every person's here dream, vision is going to be fulfilled. It's going to take place. Those bills are going to be paid off. They're going to be debt free. That house is going to be totally a blessing. Everything met, Father. All the needs met. Body healed. By your stripes, we are healed. Our knees are healed. Our ankles are healed. Our back is healed. Our shoulders are healed. Our hands are healed. We are healed in Jesus' name, Lord. The anointing oil is poured out on us because you love us. You love us, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Well, I really believe in in corporate ministry, and that's that's the wonderful thing about being yoked to spirit-filled ministers and believers. I I had people call me this week that were supposed to come from army from other parts of the country, be here, and uh, my wife was asking. 
what was going to minister on it. And I said, well, I was going to minister on the anointing. But the Lord told me to mantle on Charlie. And uh, and then he comes in and does that. But that was it. That was that's what the Lord put on my heart. Is that, and I think it's so important for you, George, because it's wonderful the way that you're coming up in in a humble environment that doesn't care about that sort of thing. God taught me that when I first came into the ministry. You know, He said you you are gifted. You have some gifts. There are other gifts, and gifts are good, but the anointing is the chain breaker. So you seek after the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things be added to you. I've seen, Charlie and I know people, uh, that I had a, a pastor of a very big church here in town. His testimony is about this one guy that he brought over 4,000 people to that church and he offended every one of them with his life. He has a gift, but there's other things that are lacking. That's how the Lord got me to come into ministry because I argued with him. I didn't want, uh, I got a late start. What do I know? What do you need me for? There's a church on every corner and they all disagree. <laughs> and he said, they're not what you think. I need people who love me and will go and help my people. And that's that's the acronym for this church. Help, heal, empower, love, and prosper the body of Christ. But it's wonderful. And, and God taught me those things that Charlie was talking about. He, The first Sunday service I ever preached, I think I told you all this before, but the pastor uh, told me I was going to preach on uh, Sunday. And when I got there, Tavana was working the camera back then. And they, he had been called to another uh, church locally that I didn't know about, and he took everybody with him. So it was just me and Tavon. And I remember about ten minutes into the message because I said, "What do I do, Lord?" And he said, "What your appointments with me?" You know. And I began to preach, and about ten minutes into that message, I remember it, it was. I just felt like I was floating. I remember Tavon looked from behind the counter, the camera, like this. And later on, I asked her what it was, and she said, "You were." You, the anointing was so strong I looked to see if that was still my husband up there and I never forget how he blessed me in that setting and I never I never questioned again the crowd you know and that's uh, and, and I and, and I came up in in different situations in different ministries where they drag you around the country trying to show you all this fruit and, and so forth and uh, they had a, a big new church. They made me the pastor, uh, preaching to 30 churches at, online and making TV commercials. And they start dropping hints, calling me bishop and all these things. You know, as a young minister, I'm like, hey, this is pretty good. It's going to get better. And then the day that the Lord said, are you ready to take up your identity in me alone? Do you trust me? And I said, yes. That big new church in the new office, Pastor Will on the door. He said, get your stuff and get out of here. And I wouldn't trade it, no matter what. You know, the anointing, because now, and ever since, I never forget the first time, because that's all I ever wanted was him. And he knew that. And the first time I got called to go preach at a, at, a, at somebody else's church, a, a Hispanic pastor that uh, Charlie is familiar with him. 
and uh, he had a church here in town, and a bunch of those other uh, apostles and bishops and deacons from other ministries, they came to that church where I was preaching, and I was like, Lord, what am I going to, I don't, you know, I'm just a baby, basically, I don't know what to preach, all these people are going to be there, and I got there, and there were about 50 people there, and I just, I just preached what the Lord told me, and I look up and there was 50 people crying and laying on the ground in that, in that church because the anointing. And I, I mean, literally, I just went and sat down. I didn't know what else to do. And that's all I've ever wanted. I never cared. I, it's always nice to have the other things. You know, so who knows what God will add to you. But that anointing is something that you don't ever want to be without. Praise God. Well, I'm so blessed, Charlie, from that word today. Thank you. The anointing. You can feel it. Amen. Amen. Very valuable. So praise God. I just pray again. Father, thank you so much for this beautiful day. I just speak a blessing over everyone who is here today and everyone who will hear this message in the future. Thank you for Brother Charlie and his family, Lord. We just speak a blessing over them. Bless them physically, emotionally, financially. In every way, Lord, in Jesus' name, and over George and his family, and that, and we just thank you, Lord, for showing them the a glimpse behind the curtain of the beautiful things you have in store for the life and ministry that you have written for them as well. In Jesus' name, Amen.